We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics. Whatever you want, yo, we have it. Cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up married- cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic. I'm your co-host Julia. And I'm Barry the Film Critic. Hello, everyone. And tonight we are talking about the 1984 sci-fi movie classic, Night of the Comet. You think it's a classic? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it! I knew it! Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody! I mean, there's nobody! (laughs) What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up and... Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? This is uh, from writer-director Tom Eberhardt, who I think his best-known film is still Captain Ron. Oh, wow. He did Captain Ron, yeah. I mean, I saw that maybe one time. Uh, Me too. Yeah, I can't remember a thing. I remember Kurt Russell has his eye patch on, and it's on a different eye than when he plays Snake Plissken. That's like what distinguishes that movie. But uh, yeah, so uh, this comes as a request from Colorado. So Lisa, this one goes out to you. Yes, our friend Lisa, who is one of my college roommates. Yes, and my dear friend. And Mm -hmm. the last time I saw this film, prior to watching it with you the other night, was with Lisa. I think it was a midnight screening in Denver. I'm like, you got to see Night of the Comet. It's great. It's an 80s movie. And she had never heard of it. So we, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. So I think I watched this with you, I don't know, years ago, completely (laughs) forgot. Even watching it last night, I don't remember anything. I think one scene stayed with but me. But you did say, like, is this the one where they go to the mall? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that happens a lot in a lot of movies. But, I mean, there's a mall scene in Commando and Paul Blart Mall Cop. But, oh yeah. My yeah. Okay. So, we we open with there is a comet that's supposed to, what, fly by Earth? Like Haley's Comet? To be, yeah, to be clear, this this film was shot in 83, came out in 84, and yes, they were definitely anticipating the return of Haley's Comet, which happened in 86. Big deal, because Haley's Comet is the only comet that can be seen by the naked eye, and humans can see it with their naked eye twice in a human lifetime. Mm. So it's a big deal. Haley's Comet last appeared in 1986, so I think the movie was was trending on that. You know, it's like, we gotta, we gotta get that comet movie out there. And this, this is, movie makes me never want to see a comet, though. Well, you know, if, if we're both lucky enough, we'll live long enough to see Haley's Comet in 2061. That's when it returns. 
Mm. So I don't, it's still out there. I don't know if I'll even have sight by that time. I'll be so old. Oh, they'll have like robo eyes by oh, then. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Good. Have you adjusted your robo? Did you charge your robo eyes? No, I forgot. Oh. No, by that time they're like, just go into the metaverse. Come on, it's oh, not a no, big deal. No, no. The meta, no, the metaverse <laughs> is going to be like disco by the time twenty sixty one comes around. No, now we will not be talking about the metaverse in ten years. That's my prediction. Okay, so I hope I'm right about that. I hope you're right about that too. Okay, so we meet our main character, Regina, who's got great 80s hair. This is Catherine Mary Stewart, the same year that she played the girlfriend of The Last Starfighter. So she deserves like an Arcade Cinema Hall of Fame award for being in two of the definitive video game movies. Mm. Well, The Last Starfighter, not maybe, maybe not so much this one, but I mean, she's introduced playing Tempest, which is pretty awesome, and she's clearly really good at it. Very good at it. Yeah. So good, in fact. She is, Her initials are on the leaderboard right. on the whole thing. It kind of reminds me of when we would go to the Penny Arcade. And you would, Springs, yeah. Yeah, and you would play Centipede. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and when you could get your initials in there, you're like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah, I, I should be clear. Like, I am a child of the 80s, but arcade games really intimidated me as a kid because of that oh really i really like i would play games like pole position or pac-man and i wouldn't enjoy them as much as i'd as i'd like to because it's like oh i gotta do really well and i'd feel the pressure and like maybe i wouldn't make the top 10 you know when i was in my 30s playing it on the other hand it's like who cares who cares and i would have so much fun and that's when i would i would just kill you just would dominate that game yeah. Oh, Centipede is my game. I miss it. <laughs> I miss it so much. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, Frogger? Uh, what's a video game? I just never really played. So You didn't right. have like an Atari or Nintendo in your house? I think when I was... No, my parents didn't really get anybody one until I was already in college and then my brother had one. For oh, a while. really? Yeah. Did he just play golf games or did he play real games? I don't even remember what the game was, but he didn't really play it that much. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, my family, yeah, we had an Atari, so played all the Atari games. And then once we got a Nintendo in the 90s, my dear brother, Marty, who's the uh, producer of the show, um, Marty was a Nintendo addict. Mm. It got it, I mean, an intense Nintendo fanatic. Wow. Um, he like subscribed to Nintendo Power. He knew the codes. He would defeat Super Mario Brothers for fun. I mean, he was you know I was always I mean really in awe of my brother because I've I've never been that good or that driven to <laughs> like defeat the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, but, yeah. That was the thing. I I was like, do I really care about passing these levels? Not really. But Regina, on the other hand, cares so much. Oh man. That yeah. when somebody else's initials are in, are in there, she she's like, "Who is this person? Who is this DMK? Who is DMK?" And the movie like brings it back around. They circle back. And by the way, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that. Regina is really my '80s movie fantasy girl because the hair. You mentioned the hair. She's beautiful. She's a video game prodigy, and she's an usher in a movie theater. Yes. And she's willing to make out with the dude in the projection booth. I mean, clear. By the way, this movie was written by a man. I want to point out. No, she says. She says, "You just want to make it with me." That's how she. What yeah, she calls yeah, it. yeah. Which is <laughs> a really nice PG thirteen way of putting it. And he pays her fifteen dollars. Not she, for that. No, oh. but she does make a point to be like, "I'm not taking fifteen dollars for sex," but she does have sex with him, and she still wants her fifteen dollars. So. <laughs> 
And he says, you're worth way more than $15. Yeah, so, so. No, no judgment here, but <laughs> but there is that. Okay, so she's supposed to, I don't know, do her job, and all she does is go into the projection booth and just, like, make out with, with uh, what's his name? Larry. Larry? Larry, yeah, Larry. Oh. Larry, all right. Yeah, the projectionist who yeah. we're introduced on the phone and he's talking about a movie that's going to come in. And I believe the line is like, yeah, man, 3D, tres dimensiones. <laughs> I don't even know if that's proper Spanish, but man, do I love that. Okay, so Regina's just going to spend the night in this projection booth with Larry, which I'm like, okay. Oh, I'm, look, I'm right now I'm so down for that. <laughs> If there's a projectionist listening to this that can make my, you know, make a wish foundation dreams come true. Oh my gosh. I'm not doing that with you. You're going to have to take your. Well, it would have to be with you. This isn't like a request to like the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to make it with me in the projection? Yes. Room? Oh. Of course, you. <laughs> I thought you just wanted to sleep in there just for fun. No. Why would I want to sleep in a projection room by myself? I don't know because you like movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man like ring ring Jules it's happening I'm by myself I'm <laughs> sleeping in this projection booth <laughs> it's so dark it's oh, funny I'm the only one here okay so I can see the theater down there <laughs> okay so moving on does it Regina call her sister yes okay so Regina calls her sister Samantha Samantha played by Kelly Maroney who looks exactly like a young Michelle Williams. Yeah. I love the first thing you said, like, is that Michelle Williams's mother? Yeah. Looks just like her. It's so strange. So she says she's not coming home. And she's like, well, you're going to have to tell Doris, who's their evil stepmother. Yeah. And she gets Doris on the phone. And she's like, look, Doris, I'm, I'm like 18. Okay. <laughs> so. But Doris is terrible. Awful. In a, like a dynasty falcon crest kind of way. Yeah. She's um, cheating on their dad with a neighbor and they know and they're going to tell him. And then Samantha and Doris like get in a slap fight. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's a it's a losing fight on, on Samantha's part. I mean, Doris like Will Smith's her. I mean, it's it's <laughs> slaps the crap out of her. So Doris slaps Samantha. Samantha slaps back and I'm like, yeah, girl. And then Doris just like punches her. She flies across the room. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I think it's supposed to be like this really powerful moment, but that's definitely not. No, I was laughing. Well, I was laughing, but I was like, "Dang!" It's (laughs) for a movie that goes as far over the top. I mean, this movie does not waste any time to to bring out the big guns. So. Now we've established the two sisters and Larry, and everyone is partying hard. They're in LA. They're waiting for the comet to come, and they're just all outside and yeah, having a ball. Yes, they're really partying over this comet. It, I mean, what I remember about '86 when Haley's comet passed by, I remember it being so cloudy and so disappointing because like nobody at, at the house I was at, I was in in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. We, we went outside to see Haley's Comet. We couldn't see it. It was too overcast. But it wasn't like this big party. I mean, it is really strange. I'm like, unless these unless this is like a block party of astronomy nerds, there's no reason they should be this excited to see a party. I, I mean, to see the comet, I mean. Mm, yeah, it is kind of strange um, yeah. that so many people are just outside hanging out. But I don't know if it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, like... People do that for solar eclipses. That's true. What I love is the movie opens up with this 
I guess we shouldn't get too ahead of it. Like the movie opens up with narration, which I love because they never go back to it. They never circle around to it. I mean, the movie opens up with this random like the world as we know is about the jade because it's blah, blah, blah. Just making this stuff up. And then it cuts to this this 80s rock song. The whole world is celebrating. And it's not the whole world. It's just this one street because this movie only has like five locations because it's a little low budget movie. So the whole We're, world. No, it's not the whole world. It's in front of this the El Rey Theater in L.A., and it's this little block, and that's it. Like well, we don't, we don't have a sense of outside of the. Zip I guess code. we're assuming the whole world is celebrating. I guess, but I mean, you know, I mean, it looks like eleven extras are celebrating <laughs> tops. Okay, but the funniest part, we laughed out loud when they finally show, like this meteor shower. Oh, man, I these mean, are the bad special, special effects. effects. And but you know, and to, to jump to it, I mean, this this movie didn't. This movie cost, I think, five hundred thousand dollars, and boy, does it show. Um, especially, especially in this department, the special effects. I mean, this is the same year as like Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. These these effects are so bad, <laughs> so so bad. Yeah, I, I mean, not even like music video worthy effects. They're just really. I mean, how would you put it? I mean, this is like. I don't know. It, I think it, Sesame it, Street has better special yeah, effects. Yeah, it just looks like something out of an Atari game. You know. Yeah. 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 It's it's pong. pong. <laughs> it's bad. So yeah. the next morning. We just see just clothes lying around. The it's a street. great, yeah. It's a great montage of just the silent world and yeah, the, clothes, shoes. It looks like a rapture situation. Yeah, clothes. But then you notice that <laughs> there's sand everywhere. There's sand everywhere, yeah, like the red dirt. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay. I think everybody was just like incinerated. Yes. But their clothes weren't. How's that work? Well, we'll get to that. We'll talk about the logic, <laughs> the logic in this film. I just thought of that. This doesn't make any no, sense. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, so um, you can destroy human flesh, but not cotton. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. A, yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, so then we see um, <laughs> Regina, you mm-hmm. know, and they're waking up in this. <laughs> projectionist room yes and larry's like i have not heard from my friend i'm gonna go get him i'm gonna i gotta leave so he takes off and gets what attacked by a zombie immediately attacked by a zombie it's <laughs> <laughs> just waiting outside the door for him yeah. yeah yeah it seems to be not that many zombies though he's one of the only ones i mean there's a few more but this is an underpopulated movie, and they definitely did not have enough zombies for this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Regina doesn't know that Larry's a goner. No. Until she goes outside and then gets locked out of... Of the theater, the- and then she sees this wrench on the ground that's got blood all over, and she's like, that's funny. Yeah, what's going on? And then she gets attacked by the same zombie, and the funny part about it <laughs> is she's like, you don't understand... I've been trained to take care of myself. <laughs> and the zombie's like, <laughs> So she she beats the living crap out yeah. of the zombie. It's very which impressive. Which is great. A few things to say about this. For one thing, I love the two main characters, uh, Samantha and Regina, because they're funny and they're tough. Mm-hmm. They're really, really tough in a way that was very, certainly very unusual for this time. One of the things that people love to mention about this movie is that uh, Joss Whedon, of all people, he was really inspired by this movie when he wrote Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This idea of somebody who seems like she would be bubble-headed and you know, kind of banal, but is actually an empowered warrior. Um, yeah, so 
Yeah. No, she's badass. Yeah, she's she's really cool. And so, that's yeah, that's one thing I've always loved about this movie is that it's 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 driven by these two women who are really tough. Yeah. So Regina gets on that motorcycle and and she's driving through LA. And I think the funny part, one funny scene is she pulls up to a red light and there's a car sitting there at the red light. And so she's just like waiting. And then she looks over like nobody's in the car. Yeah. And you would think driving through LA, you would be so used to traffic that this would just be 100% obvious something terrible happened. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, it looks like the opening scene of Vanilla Sky. There's no, I mean, it's it's so strangely vacant. It, it's fascinating. Um, and I love that they use these red and orange hues to convey the sky. Mm-hmm. I love the look of this film, particularly the exterior shots of just this world, this empty world. And I mean, it's, I think, really beautiful shots of this empty city. Um but the film has a really snarky sense of humor that I love, and it comes out immediately. It's a this movie clearly wants us to have fun. Yeah. So Regina gets home, and surprisingly, Samantha is alive, and she's like, "Oh, you scared me! Like, what's going on?" And she's like, "She's blissfully unaware." Yeah, she doesn't anything, know anything. Any abnormal. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't know what's going on, and she's it's great. Like worried about like Doris, you know, and she's like. Wh- you know, I was so upset. I slept in a storage shed last night. Okay, so now we're establishing that if you sleep in some kind of... Steel. Steel, yeah. If you have steel walls all around you, to quote Michael Bolton, then you're fine. Yeah. But the thing is, this doesn't make a lick of sense because, as you've indicated, clothing maintains, but human flesh turns to sand. But then it's like, well, it's weird because then... Because one character a little bit later on, not to get too far ahead of it, but one character later on mentions that he was in the back, the pickup of his truck. But like, but, but if, if he wasn't covered. Well, but those like the back of those trucks. No, he wasn't in the pickup truck. He was just sleeping in his truck? No, it's um, like a semi. You know how those semis have those like back rooms behind? They have like, it's, it's all enclosed. But the, the common power couldn't go through glass? No, there's no, the, the glass isn't, no, it's like a compartment. All right, so that's, okay, fine, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll say that that's plausible. But the fact, so they're in, in a movie theater projection booth, naked, and they're fine, they're protected. They're fine, till the zombies get them, yeah. But it's like, it, it's, it's like, so, so what, like, so, so if like, if it's for Micah, or if it's like a house, or if it's like my house where the, the uh, the attic is just loaded with asbestos. Like that's yeah, yeah, you're a goner. Then you're a goner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the funny part is like, so Regina's trying to tell her like everyone's gone. Like you don't understand. She's it's like, like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. She's like you're scaring me, Regina. And then she she goes like goes outside and there's all the clothes and she picks up Doris's dress. She's like, this is Doris. <laughs> and then Regina picks up their dog's leash and she's like. Buffy. It's <laughs> great. And she's like, where are all the kids? It's Saturday morning. Where are all the kids? Yeah. It's so great. yeah, it's a really good um, moment for the sisters. Yeah. And it, it definitely tells you what kind of movie this is. Although again, it's, it's really kind of, it's screwy because there's zombies in this movie and they talk. Yeah. Well, that's weird. It's because some of the people are turning into zombies like slower than others. Is that what it is? Because yeah. it's almost like because what, what the movie is basically establishes is that 
I mean, it really is like the adults. Because here's the thing. Like, I think I'm misremembering this movie. What I always remember about this movie is that the comet passes over and only the teenagers survived. No. Most of the adults. Most of the adults in this world are gone. Right? It, it's really mostly just like the young people that make it. And we, we know who they are. Because we'll get to the adults that, that survive later. But for the most part, it's... I don't know. Maybe it's just like but, okay, smart so, people who sleep and steal. Okay, so... So what's established, <clears throat> excuse me, not long afterwards, but it's established that there's an underground bunker and the adult scientists that created this underground bunker, they somehow left the air vent open, which is why they yes, were, which, which is, is why they got exposed. Doesn't make any sense. But so they're exposed and they're slowly becoming zombies. So yeah, which is hilarious because then you don't think like. Samantha, that there was like ventilation in the in the shed, movie theater in the shed. She was leaving. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's like even the zombie that she encounters right there in the morning. You know, the first thing. I mean, presumably the the zombie uh, the the comet passing by only it was only about like what four or five hours ago, and that guy is like full on zombie. But then there's like there's people in different stages stages of zombiedom and it, 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 they're not of the brain munch although they, they are like cannibals they are wasn't, yeah so, so they are eating people but they're verbose they're able to talk well some of them some of them yeah it's um a movie that really pays fast and loose with its with its logic, logic. Yeah, yeah lack thereof okay so the sisters um they realize that the radio is still playing that there's something they're like ooh. I think they're thinking that there's a DJ there. So they're going to, they go to the radio station and realize, oh, it's just all this pre recorded stuff and it's all automatic and nobody's in this, nobody's in the booth. And then this is where they meet Hector. They meet Hector. And by the way, this radio station, I got to say, as someone who's been in more than a few <laughs> radio stations, like the radio stations that I've been in, and I've been in quite a few. I mean, we're talking beat up furniture and empty Dorito bags everywhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this thing looks like like a Kaja Gugu video. Everything is neon lights everywhere. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it looks like um, I don't know. It's it like, looks like the set of Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters video. <laughs> it's like really nice. There's no way. And I've been in a, a nice radio studio before, and it was nothing like this. I mean, this is this is crazy stylish. There's just no need for this. Yeah. Every time I've been in a radio <laughs> station, I'm always just really underwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I was expecting a little more. Yeah, okay. it's dusty and it smells like Axe body spray. Yeah, not, not like this. This is like this is like a Prince video. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, okay, they meet Hector and, Hector and he's like, get into the light. I mean, obviously he wants to see if they're zombies because he's going to kill them. He's got a gun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, like how quickly some of these characters have acclimated to the rules that you know some you know some people are are far enough along in the metamorphosis, and other people are deep into it. Yeah. And it's all about the eyes because it's it, the more you turn into this common zombie, you're you basically your your face has this skull like appearance. Yeah, and you have to wear sunglasses. Yes. But then the sister has like a rash, like an itch. I don't even know. That doesn't know. go anywhere. No. Because at first I thought, okay, she's she's getting it. She's got it. She's like, oh, well, that just happens when I get nervous. So it's like nothing. Yeah. Neither here nor that's there. That's like, okay, the second draft of the script, you get rid of that detail because it goes nowhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it 
it's kind of established that the girls think that Hector is the last man on earth. Yeah. <laughs> and to which Hector is a very, very lucky man. <laughs> and the younger sister, Samantha, she's just like, oh, you know, you've already called him. Oh, you always take the guys that I like. <laughs> it's just so funny. I'm like, you guys just met him. I, I like the sense of humor on this film because no no one is going like, oh my God, I'm never going to see my father again. There's no more governments. Uh, oh my God, Eddie Murphy's gone. No, like, my favorite. No, I mean, it's just like, like they, they just, they take all this very well. My favorite is when the girls are kind of having a heart to heart and Samantha <clears throat> says like, oh, you know, my friend. Man, she was just like really upset. She didn't know how she was going to tell her parents that she was failing algebra. Man, I guess this was like really lucky for her. <laughs> like what? Yeah, they have like, I mean, it's it's a very, you know, it, the characters interesting because they they're they're very detached from but even when we meet them, you know, they they're very they're kind of self-absorbed, but again, like there's they're kind of a they have kind of like this warrior sense to them. They're, they're they're just they're tough. You would never confuse these characters as being they they would never work as like the girlfriend, you know, in a typical teen movie. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Okay, so while Regina and Hector are kind of talking seriously about the next steps, um Samantha just decides to go on the radio. <laughs> just like is anybody out there? And that's kind of how we find this the un- about the underground facility. Yeah, and when, while Samantha's on the radio, she says, as a throwaway line, she says, Hi, all you teenage comet zombies, which apparently was the original title of this movie. Oh. Teenage Comet Zombies. I'm really glad they went with Night of the Comet. Mm. Yeah, which I think is a classier... But did, it's a but, better title. Okay, does anybody say Night of the Comet in this movie? No, and they really should. Yeah. They should have. That was a missed opportunity. All that crazy stuff happened last night of the comet. Yeah. <laughs> no, they never did. Yeah, so it's the underground bunker. And we see that it's the the last bastion of, of humankind that's, you know, a bunch of smarty pants scientists. And they've resorted to all sorts of nefarious things to, to yeah, remain. Yeah, but they're like, well, we need to go <clears throat> get these survivors. And there's one woman who's like, no. That was, we were never going to do that. Like, we're not doing that. But she's kind of overruled here. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, then, um, oh, Samantha has some nightmares. Yeah, this is great. Because it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a total steal from an American world from London. But it's it's a fake out dream sequence. And it's two a, fake out dream yeah, sequences. Yeah, double. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. The first one, I think, is a lot more effective. Because uh, you really don't see it coming. It seems like yeah, she's escaped from the from the station. She's in a car. She gets pulled over by a cop. The cop has a zombie face. It's a great, I think, a really great jump scare. And the scene plays out for a little bit. It seems like it, uh, you know, it's the end of the character. Then she wakes up. She's on the couch at the radio studio. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's really great. And establishing the geography, and establishes that the, you know this is day one. This is how day one went. But then, no, even that scene is a bit of a fake out. And then once again, she wakes up in the radio studio and Mm -hmm. she's freaking out. As people always do, like, I've never in my life known someone to wake up from nightmares like they do in movies. You know, we do that thing where you lean up for like, and you like, you know, lean forward into the camera. Yeah, you just like sit up. I just wake up and I'm like, (laughs) in a terrible dream. (laughs) But never like, 
you know, like you do in the movies where, yeah, it's it's such a dramatic. And then I roll over and our dog comforts him. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> oh, Charlotte, thank you. You get me. It's basically how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so um, Hector and Regina have this like real flirty flirt. Because um, they get it. They're the last ones. They're, yeah. They're the last people on Earth. I mean, so. the only thing they don't say is, oh, we're going to have to repopulate the Earth. It's kind of the only thing. I'm sure they're thinking it. I'm sure yeah. they're thinking that. But he tells her, I have to go to San Diego and see if my family's still alive. And she's like, please don't, you know. And he's like, but I have to. You know your family's gone. I don't know that. And she's like, well, please come back. I mean, it's, it's a sweet scene. But then you see Samantha out, like, listening to them, just thinking. You know she's thinking, I'm going to die alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Sam is mad because Regina got the last man on earth. That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> and it's this guy. Yeah, it's this guy. It's Hector. Hector. Mm-hmm. So Hector goes to his mom's house and he's he's walking through the house, you know, hoping that he's going to find somebody, but he doesn't. And then he hears like some growling and he opens the door and it's this creepy kid. It's zombie. a zombie kid. A zombie yes, kid. it's a zombie kid. It's so great. <laughs> So, and because the movie's fully like completely acknowledging just the absurdity of it, and he's like, I don't want to kill you, kid. And the kid's like, Oh, it's great. <laughs> he kind of has a scene where he goes in, Hector goes into the bathroom, and the kid has a little bit of a a scene, um, a Jack Nicholson moment. Oh, from The Shining, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. where he. Yeah, it's yeah. great. No, I, I love it. Yeah, because because it is it is this thing like what do you do? Because I know like The Walking Dead has a has approached this you know this, this really hideous idea. If it's a zombie child that's trying to eat you, what do you do? Um, you you just disable or kill the zombie kid. Well, that's because look, I mean, zombies they, they used to be people too. Okay. Yeah, but if they're trying to eat you, yeah, but he probably knew this kid. It's like oh, it's Billy. No, he didn't know that kid. He didn't say his name. He probably recognizes him. Like, oh, that's no. that's the kid who, like, you know. He did not recognize. I him. bought Hershey bars from this kid so he can go to camp. I helped him with a fundraiser. Yeah, exactly. He sold I'm popcorn gonna, with I'm, the Boy Scouts. Exactly. I'm not gonna waste Billy. Oh, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really funny. So he he escapes and but le- but oh, we should point out this is one of the first of many things. Like again, like. I, li- I like this movie, I do, but the script has problems. And one of which is he Hector arrives in a truck and then he flees the house. He just leaves his truck there. He just leaves. And look, like, I get it. The world is over, but like still, it's your truck. You're going to want to drive your truck, no, right? No, he upgrades to a convertible. <laughs> he doesn't. It's so screwy. Especially like, this is the 80s. Like He's like, oh, sweet. Ford Pinto. Sweet. No, I don't know what he has, but it's like... A really fun red convertible car, and he's decided, hey, nobody else is going to drive it. I know, but look, end of the world. I'm not. I mean, especially if I had like my Saturn. Oh my God, no! Like I'm driving that thing until I don't. I don't care if it's the end of the world and there's like you know Ferraris and Testarossas all around. Me. Okay, what? You're gonna drive your like it's my car, sixteen year old Saturn yeah. when there's like. All these cars out there you could just pick from? But it had good gas mileage, and I love that car. And it had a tape deck in it. No, this is so wrong. No. Now, the thing, I I do agree with you that he shouldn't have abandoned the truck because the truck basically saved his life. Right. 
What if the comet comes back? Yeah, I, I would probably have just ran to my own car at that point because you don't know if you're going to find a car with keys that has gas in it. Yeah. Yeah, but he leaves that truck. Okay, so now, now we're get, we go back to the girls. Hmm. This is where they have their funny moment talking about the friend. They're practical. Aren't they practicing their guns at this point? Oh, yeah. They're practicing guns. Like, where do they get yeah, these guns? Yeah, another question. Where do they, they get these guns? They have, like, semi-automatic guns? weapons. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly didn't get it from Kmart or Bloomingdale's. <laughs> where do they get the guns? We never know. We never know. Yeah. But they, yeah, they're practicing shooting just at cars. <laughs> Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Which is cool. And yeah. then they're kind of lamenting like the state of the world and what are we going to do? We got, She's like, ah, well, let's go home. I got to get a change of clothes. And Regina's like, let's go shopping. Let's go to the mall. Oh, my gosh. Do you have your credit card? No. Well, don't worry. Everything's free. And then. <laughs> Total Valley Girl moment. Yes. Yeah, so then cue the not Cindy Lauper version of girls just want to have fun. Yeah, I they, think this is the scene I remember. Yeah, the mall scene. Yeah, so I, mean, I wrote it down. Like This is Tammy Hallbrook. God bless you, Tammy Hallbrook. But you're not Cindy Lauper. It's clearly a sound alike. But this was, I mean, this is back when this song was number one. I mean, next to like Michael Jackson, anything off a of thriller, this song by Cindy Lauper, I mean, it's one of the most ubiquitous 80s songs. It was huge. And this movie came out almost around the same time as Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the movie, which also doesn't have the Cindy Lauper song. Clearly, very expensive song to put in your movie. Mm. So the girls are just trying on clothes and makeup and it's a, shoes. It's a I typical mean, montage. It's a strange montage, of course, because it's the end of the world. So they're just like putting on whatever, trying on whatever. And I mean, I got to say, I don't think I would be above doing this myself in the same situation. Interesting. You know, if I could go to, I don't know, Macy's. We don't really have a lot of stores here, but even Old Navy, I would do it. Oh, man. I hate clothes shopping so much. I would ask you to like, like just get everything in the mail, everything in the men's section. Just put it in a cart and I'll try it on at home. I hate clothes shopping that much. I would just trust you. I, I mean, you know me. I'd be like, is there like a virgin mega store? Like that's where <laughs> I would... I want to spend all of my apocalyptic time there. I'd be like, ooh, I need a new bathing suit. Okay, I'm going to go. It's the 80s. Like, ooh, there's a yeah. Sam Goody? Yeah. Yeah. I spent all my time at Sam Goody and Radio Shack. Okay, the other thing about this movie is you never see them try and find food. Yeah, that is true. It's ridiculous. I'm like, wait, how many days has it been? Aren't they hungry? Presum- well, for one thing, it's a mall. So presumably, you know, there's like a pretzel store or something there. But the other thing, of course... This is Night of the Comets, so you know they couldn't afford to build the set with, like, the hot dog stand. There's, a, there's only, like, five locations in this movie. I know, but they don't even grab snacks from the house. Well, come on. This is like in Star Trek. Like, you never see the... You never you never heard, like, Kirk go, like, but first, I gotta have a bathroom break. No, no. You, you assume there's bathroom breaks on the Enterprise, but you never see them. You know, they're always... It's a survival movie. You always see people trying to find food. Well, the zombies are trying to find food and succeeding. <laughs> someone's eating in this movie okay so then we see that there are other people in this mall looking at the security footage yes and it is creepy i gotta say this part probably creeped me out the most Hmm. these like weirdo guys well the weirdo guys it's established that they used to be like stock boys (laughs) i I love this used to be like these loser stock boys like we got nothing going on for us 
man, this sucks. And then the comet happens. So they're transforming into zombies, but now they're like the kings of the mall. They're yes. like a gang. It's great. This is like this great loser boy revenge fantasy. And they've all got like matching new wave glasses and new wave attire. Um, and the glasses are, of course, to hide that they're transforming into zombie. Uh, zombie. Zombies. Zom- zombie. Comet zombies. They're comet zombies. Yeah. 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 No, but it's really crazy. So they... It becomes a shootout. Yeah, it becomes a shootout. And what's funny about it is the girls are kind of like, oh, man, a shootout? All right. I guess we got to take care of these guys. They take it very well. Yeah, Yeah. very well. I would be literally just peeing my pants. I was just putting on this shade of red. Just I'm almost done going through Bloomingdale's, but fine. Get the gun. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're... they're taking all this so well. I hadn't so gotten well. to the good blue eyeshadow yet. <sighs> this is really... It's 1984. I, you can never have too many sleeveless shirts. <laughs> this one says Frankie says relax. I really want this one. <laughs> I mean, like, Samantha's running around in, like, a feather boa. I mean, <laughs> come on. It's ridiculous. I really love dressing up like Culture Club, but fine, I'll have a shootout. I know. So um, one of their guns is stolen by these guys, and so they only have one. And so Samantha ends up throwing shoes at them. Uh, shoes and a TV set at one and point. And a TV yeah, set, yeah. yeah. Um, but they eventually get captured by these guys, and they're just ruthless. I mean, they tie them up and they're talking about how they're going to eat them. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's so... <laughs> It's like, cool, this movie actually has a villain now. Nice. Yeah. For about two more minutes. I know. Then who rescues them? The scientists? Yes. Yes. The, this, the bunker scientists show up and they're packing heat and they just blow these teenagers to bits. Yeah, which yeah. is great. And then the girls, the sisters are like, uh, we're not with them, so please rescue us. But the thing is, like, the head of the loser zombie stock boys, like, he's... You know, he's annoying, but like he has a lot of personality and he's like a radio DJ. Like I wanted him to be the villain of this movie. Mm. He shows up, he's a jerk, and then they shoot him and then suddenly the movie doesn't have a villain again. So we think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's some like more nefarious things happening. This is true. Yes. Right. So then... So the female scientist that... Played by Mary Warrenoff is yeah. a great character actress. She's the one who was like, no, we're not going to go get survivors, but everyone has decided against me, so I guess I'm doing this. And I wasn't really sure about her character for a long time. Yeah, the movie definitely... I mean, <laughs> this is not a smart film, but this it is smart the way the film does have you guessing about this character, because apparently there's layers. There, there's a few surprise reveals in the third act, which I got to say is... It's a lot for a movie that used to be called Teenage Zombit. Zomb- teenage. Ah, you keep calling it Zombit. I know. Zombits. That's that's what it should be called. Yeah, teenage Comet Zombies. Yeah. yeah. Zombits. <laughs> Just, yeah, Comet and Zombie. Just put them together. Catherine Mary Stewart in Zombits. <laughs> so then I don't understand why they separate the sisters. It, yeah. It, it's really murky. It's it's not good screenwriting. They should be together. I think it's it's simply just to establish the big shock of what happens to Samantha. Yeah. Yeah. So they take Regina back to their underground um, lair, I guess, and then they the the woman scientist keeps Samantha because she's like, I'm gonna wait for Hector, you know, and then 
she like gives her a shot to kill her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she shoots her partner. Yes. And then when Hector comes on to the to the picture, so Hector finally shows up and she's like the sci- the female scientist. Yeah. I don't know what female. She's a scientist. No, but just so th- <laughs> there's lots of scientists though. It's true. She's the one female scientist. Yeah, yes. The, okay. The one who's like turns out to be good. Harry, you know, women can be scientists too. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> So she's the only female scientist in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's two other women, but they're Are not they really, scientists. They're not scientists. We'll get to that. Yeah. They're, they're not really scientists. No. Yeah. They're just, I don't know. They're just evil yeah. killer interns. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she kind of has taken this serum, too, to kill herself. Yes. And Hector shows up, and she's like, oh, she was right. You are really attractive. <laughs> I think those are her last That's words. Like her last words. Yeah. So Hector has to deal with these dead scientists, and yeah, the, the and Samantha and Samantha. Yeah, it's right. it's pretty. Yeah, and you think, oh wow, the movie just took a very dark turn. Yeah, because then we go back to the underground bunker where Regina is being questioned, and the head of it. I guess this is the new big bad. The villain is Jeffrey Lewis plays the head of it. Jeffrey Lewis is Juliet Lewis's father. He's a veteran character actor. He's done so much stuff. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. When Hector shows up, though, he's dressed like Santa? Yes. Why is he dressed like Santa? I think because he thought this this is what's going to constitute sexy time with Regina. What? She's going to be into this. <laughs> that was what I thought. No. Like, he's doing, like, role-playing? These are some freaky kids. I mean, when we meet this, when we meet our protagonist, remember, she's like all about going into the projection booth with Larry, which again, by the way, I'm still saying like, great idea. <laughs> Only if you dress up like Santa. <laughs> then, then, then I'm in. That's like the most magical Christmas ever. I can't even think of a way I'd like to spend December 25th. So yes, he's dressed like Santa. You're right. It, no, to your point, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make any sense. I, I think maybe maybe there was a, a cut scene that explained that, but I don't think there's any cut scenes. I think this. I think we're seeing everything <laughs> that they everything they could afford is on the screen in this movie. They're like cutting room floor. No, like, that no, cost no, me a thousand dollars. Like we don't even remember what the motivation was for him dressing up. Just do the Santa. Just just put the costume on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Now, <laughs> Regina's in the underground bunker. Yes, being interrogated being by interrogated. by Jeffrey Lewis is the main bad Yeah, guy. and he's asking her things like, have you ever had hepatitis? You know, and, and she's like not really wanting to answer his questions. Are you pregnant? And she's like, I thought I was once. And he's like, that doesn't really matter. And she's like, uh, yeah, you, yeah, it does. <laughs> So she's trying to have this like casual conversation, and this guy is just like, "Please, just please answer these questions." Yeah. Um, oh, and then some kids—they rescued some kids, right? So they're also in the underground bunker. Yes. And, and this is where I think we meet the true villains of this movie. So there's two young women. I guess they're like in their twenties, and they have to oversee these kids, and they're clearly going to give these kids a sedative that's going to kill them. And these girls could not be more just blissfully excited about this. Well, what I think they're doing is they show another guy who's like hooked up to this machine. And they're basically keeping the body alive, but the brain dead. So they can harvest his blood to give themselves transfusions. Yes. 
And this is how they think that they're going to save themselves because according to the woman scientist who killed herself, they did not close all the ventilation in this underground facility. So what comet dust got in there and started, and now they're slowly turning into zombies. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all, but I do love these characters because they're telling these because they, Hey kids, you want to go to the North pole and see Santa? Just breathe this in. Or, hey, like, we'll give you this injection. Like, these girls are so blissfully, like, oh, man, I yeah. can't wait to kill these kids. She's like, what happens when I breathe this? She's like, you're going to go to the North Pole with Santa. There it is with Santa again. It's crazy. Yeah, it's the Santa subtext. No, I mean, these girls are so bloodthirsty. I mean, Pennywise the clown doesn't love killing kids as much as these girls do. Yeah. It's crazy. So they're trying to make a serum from this blood. Yes. Okay. And they don't know... Which human is going to have, like, the best blood that has not been affected by the comet? So, it's just very strange. But... So, we, Regina finds... She it, figures it out. She's, and she, Regina is told that her sister is dead. Yeah. Yeah. She's told her sister's dead. And so, she kind of figures out, like, all right, I'm going to... I'm getting these guys. Like, they're not getting anything from me. Yeah. Um, So, she kind of, like, fights off one and... Hits him in the head, gets out of there. Um, but then Hector shows up. Hector shows up in his fancy red convertible. Yeah, in, and a cowboy hat. In a as a cowboy character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hector's very strange. He finds times to cosplay in the middle of the post-apocalyptic world. Yes, it's he's many odd. characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he so he shows up at this facility, and the guards like, "How did you get here? You know, what are you doing here?" And he's like, oh, I got somebody somebody in my trunk. And it's Samantha. Who we think is a corpse. Yeah. And then she's miraculously alive. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a surprise. And I guess like this movie is sadistic for making us think that the second most likable character is dead. Well, that's It's very true. sadistic. Because like, I'm thinking like, man, this movie's a bummer now. This isn't even fun anymore. So Samantha's alive, which is great. And it's an, it's a, I guess it's a cool reveal because it means, oh, they're, they're the Calvary. They're coming to save everybody that's in the bunker. Well, it's established that uh, so the female scientist, <laughs> she, she gives Samantha an injection of sodium pentothal, which knocks her out and makes her sleepy. And I, I guess what we learn in retrospect is that she gave it to her because she wanted her to live. She only wanted to make it look like she was killing her. Yeah. But then, so sodium, what, what? I mean, I didn't look it up. I mean, sodium pentothal, like, it makes you, it knocks you out, but then wakes you up? I don't know. It It, it doesn't. Because it's, it's one thing if she told her ahead of time, okay, I'm going to like put this placebo in you and you need to pretend to fall asleep. No, she couldn't have told her that. Exactly, right. So like she, I mean, basically Samantha like, you know, like flatlines basically. She basically dies, but then she conveniently comes back to life at the end. Yeah, it's a rapid onset, short acting barbiturate, a general anesthetic. Okay. So it's like... So is, is it really plausible then? Yeah, like it would be what you would give somebody if you were going to like do surgery on them. Because Samantha, I mean, she like springs back to life and it really is like, yes, I planned this all along, even though this is supposed to be like this big emotional shock for the audience. No, I think what happens is she probably wakes up and is like, uh, what happened? And, and she's then, like, why are you then, dressed like Santa Claus? And then Hector's there. Yeah. And then she's like... Oh, 
the scientists are dead. Hmm, something fishy is going on. We need to rescue my sister. Well, I'm glad it made sense to you because I was very confused. Because, you know, on the one hand, is it's supposed to be this shock thing that, and it worked, it certainly worked on me. But thinking about it, like, wait a second, like, how did that? Well, she just had to give it to her because the guy scientist that was there was going to kill her. Yes. So. Yeah. She had to do it first. And she shoots him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess she could have shot him and just like not done that to Samantha. Why does she kill herself? Oh, you know what? What? She does it so that the other scientists will report back to the facility. Hey, it's done. Mm. I think that's why. Okay. Why does she kill herself? Well, because she knows she's going to turn into a zombie. She doesn't think that this serum thing is like going to happen. And she's not on board with harvesting other people's blood. Isn't there benefits, though, to being a zombie or a teenage comet zombie? <laughs> no, there are no benefits. I mean, you could be like part of the stockroom boy gang. <laughs> yeah, but they got you rid of... You could rule Bloomingdale's. Yeah, they got rid of the gang, so she has nowhere to go. Now she'd be the head of the gang. She would rule Bloomingdale's. Yeah, I I don't know. And you could have like another montage where you jan- dance around to a faux Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So let's get to the finale. <laughs> okay. Um, some explosions. Some, yeah. Well, they. The kids. The kids who are oh, going to be killed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Regina saves the day yes. with the kids. And yeah. she puts those. It's a sadistic moment. Creepy ladies. She gives them the laughing, laughing gas. Laughing gas. And she puts like a John McClane sort of note up. Remember that, that they find? Yeah. Do you remember what it said? I don't no, even know what it said. But yeah, no. she leaves like this like this ho, 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 now I have a machine gun too kind of note. Well, what's silly is that those sadistic ladies are laying in that room with the laughing gas on, yeah. like just hysterically laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so weird. I don't think that's what happens. <laughs> but think- well, I didn't get it. Like, are they going to die laughing? Is that the idea? Yeah. Or they're going to die as zombies. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Laughing zombies. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Okay. So Hector and Samantha find Regina and they re- and they rescue the kids. There's and an explosion. They, yeah, they all the run out. The one explosion this movie can afford. Right. And so they get in the convertible and they're kind of mocking the guards. And the scientists are like, we can still get them. But they just want to watch the car explode. Yes. <laughs> I think that was kind of funny. Like, who doesn't want to see that, I guess? Yeah. And then they take off. They take off. And then there's this montage of the next day, there's rain. And you can see all of the dust all over Los Angeles, mm. basically going down the drain. And I love this because on the one hand, it's like a visual, it's a bit of visual poetry. You know what it is, though. It's like, okay, filming is over. We got to get rid of all this crap. Okay, just film it. And we'll put it in the movie. So I'm sure like they're just like washing all the dust <laughs> that they put all over like La Brea Boulevard and all that. And they're just getting rid of all the... All the set pieces. I know, but I like that part. It's great. I mean, it's 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 a nice visual. It's like established, like okay, like you know, the 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 apocalypse has happened, the the the, the zombies, and uh, this is this is the new beginning. It's because we see that Regina, Samantha, Hector, and the two kids—they're a sort of—they're they're literally a family now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because. Um... Regina and Hector and the kids are like taking all these pictures, kind of like a family photo shoot. And Samantha's just like rolling her eyes like, oh, my gosh. And then who comes driving down the street? 
an eligible guy. And he's in a... See, he's also in a convertible. He said he has like 27. Because <laughs> he's still all of Right, them. right. Well, because there's so many available now. And by yeah. the way, I'm sure convertible is like, yeah, Night of the Common. Well, as many as you want to use for our movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, of, of course, Samantha's like, hmm, hubba hubba. And Regina's like, hey, you don't even know this guy. You know, what's, what's his name? Okay, you have to be back by midnight. And when they drive off, what's his license plate? His license plate is DMK. Oh, the movie went full circle. That's <laughs> awesome. Great payoff movie. Yeah, but he, that guy is not DMK, though, because it's not even his car. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. So he stole DMK's car. That's a really good yeah, point. Yeah, DMK is dust in a drain. He's not alive well, anymore. Well, no, because he says his name, and it's it's the initials, like David Martin Knight. Oh, it is So him. it is. it is him. Oh. Did he coincidentally steal a movie that had a vanity plate that matches his initials? I don't know. Ah, oh, dang. Yeah. Okay, so it is the guy who it is, is trying it, to beat Regina at the video game. It is the guy, but you're right. He brags about stealing all these cars. So what are the odds, especially in a world where there's no more people, especially since this, this thing has just happened a few days ago, that he could find a license-plated car? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. See? It, 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 there's problems with this screenplay, Mr. <laughs> Eberhardt. <laughs> So that's it. That's it. Yeah, because because yeah. So DMK and Samantha drive off, and the family they they're just standing in the middle of the highway, just like playing football with each other. And this song that sounds like it would be like the intro for an eighty sitcom is like "Never Gonna Give You Up, Never Gonna Give You Up" is playing, and you're going, "What is this movie? Like, didn't we just have like like flesh eating zombies a moment ago?" Yeah. Yeah. It ends on like the lightest note possible. Right. Yeah. And they're still. Okay, they're still in like downtown LA. Yeah. Or wherever, Burbank, I don't know. I mean, it's one of the few places that they're they actually film and I'm like, okay, you know it's a budget decision. Oh, big time. Because they only again, there's five locations in this entire no movie. There's no way like they're going to go back to that same spot right. with these kids. Yeah. They're going to try and find, I don't know, a place to live, like a house, like <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, well, I mean, it's one of the best special effects they have. You know, you've got this, you know, again, it's the beginning of Vanilla Sky. You've got, you know, just a place that is unnaturally, insanely, creepily void of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it looks cool. So I'm like, yeah, hey, we got to, we got to utilize this as much as we can because we're probably, you know, I'm sure once they, once they move the truck tires and, and let the traffic go through, people are going to be furious and like, get in the car, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I can. I can only imagine if they actually have like permits to do those kinds of scenes in a movie like this. This low budget. Yeah. Okay. So, so what would your alternative ending be? Do you uh, have one? I, I hadn't thought of it until just now. Hmm. So you'd never seen this movie before, other than you think you watched. Well, it with me I one think time. we watched it. I don't know. It has to have been over a decade ago. Because I got to say, like this is this is a you know. I hate because this sounds like I'm making an excuse for it, and I guess I am. I mean, this is definitely nostalgia fuel for me. I remember as a kid, being a little boy, watching the commercial for this on TV, and thinking, "Ooh, that looks really scary." <laughs> and it wasn't until I was in college where, like, I actually found a video store that had a copy of it. It was a really hard movie to find for a while. It was out of print for a while, and I really dug it. Like I said, I got to see it with my buddy Lisa, and it was really fun seeing it on the big screen. But there are things about this movie I really enjoy. Um, I, I enjoy that it's that it's you know that it's kind of genre light you know I love movies mm-hmm. that are just 
do not submit to like it's a comedy it's sci-fi no this movie's like five different films and some of them are really good um it's a little dated i mean a little dated oh my god it's what am i saying what are you saying barry it's incredibly dated i mean there's that moment where uh there is the one thing you know there's a scene where samantha and regina are talking about hector and samantha drops a homophobic slur because they're like she's like oh my god like the last man of the world can't be gay. Can't be, you know, going yeah. like, when they remake this, that's not going to be in the remake. No way, no how. Um, but in terms of, you know, being a movie that wants to, you know, tap into 80s youth culture, um, I enjoy it because the main characters are very quirky, but but they're strong. And that's just something you never see in the 80s where these actresses, for the, I mean, even like the rest of their filmography, they're typically playing girlfriends wives or love interests they're not playing strong leads which is what they're doing here so like Mm -hmm. for for a movie that's really you know in terms of the screenplay it's so malnourished but there's cool stuff in this yeah because regina's like sarah connor yeah she really is she's tough she's cool yeah yeah so i I and she loves video games and she loves having sex in a projection booth in a movie theater gosh (laughs) he's not gonna let it go you guys (laughs) You know, our 20th anniversary is coming up. Next year. Yeah, it's coming up. <laughs> so That's what you want? So our 20th anniversary, Christmas, right? Projection booth, some sleeping bags. <laughs> and it's got to be a really, you know, like I said, it's got to be authentic like it is in this movie. So like, you know, empty Dorito bags, oh, and like rat traps. Gross. Stacks of film cans. Wow. So dusty movie magazines so everywhere. romantic. <laughs> I want to live out my night of the common fantasy. Oh, man. Okay, well, how would you end this movie? Um, I don't think I would really change a lot of it. I just would probably make the zombie stuff make a little bit more sense. Because it just... There's so much, like, dialogue in, in this underground bunker that you're like, who cares? doesn't even matter and doesn't make any sense so i don't know i want to say world of these zombies i mean for one there's only like three or four zombies in this movie that's true but like i mean and i'm not the you first you just want to see a bigger budget version of this i want to see that but i also want to like i mean clearly there are benefits to being a teenage comet zombie i want to see them hanging out like there's obviously a society these other uh well turned yeah like so like you know they're all like you know they're ruling there's like a you know a rundown sears or i mean this is the 80s so it'd be like you know a crew jacket store or like a sharper image <laughs> Are they had a blockbuster no this is before blockbuster oh, yeah okay. this is all like mom and pop video stores but no like they're you know they're all like rocking the you know the the walkmans and you know there's like a society of these comet zombies because, you know, they're not all, you know, going to be like nomadic warriors. Some of them are just like, you know, what I, I was a normal person. And then, you know, my parents are dust, but I'm still here. <laughs> my my girlfriend dust. looks really weird and so do I. But you know what? You know, we're just going to deal with it. So there's, there's like a society of the zombies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now we have a two-tiered society where we have the comet zombies mm-hmm. in various stages. Yes. And then humans yeah. that... Are they going to turn into zombies eventually? Well, the idea is that... Well, that's the other thing, too. It's like this movie 
it doesn't really explain like are the humans in danger of still becoming them you're right like that that's something yeah. that, it's never because really, again like you, there's the shot of the sister scratching herself it's like oh no she could become one of the zombies never happens mm. so yeah the, the movie would have been smart enough to make that more of an immediate danger yeah what i love about this movie are because uh, because the third act is really sluggish once you get to that underground layer i mean the pacing that's true this pacing sucks there's just a lot of like people getting from one location to another it's always bad when when it's just about your characters driving like let's go you know, like that, i hate movies that are that rely on that kind of plot device because it's in this case it's not suspenseful it's just like this movie keeps dragging its feet and once we get back to all the exteriors of just like this empty city that's where the movie really works i love those shots i love those scenes I love all the zombie encounters. But yeah, and it's it's not so much that I don't mind that this movie takes time for a a girls just want to have fun mall clothing montage. That's fine. Totally. Um to- totally. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I don't know. It sounds like I'm apologizing for this movie and I'm not, but like I realize it's not the greatest. <laughs> It's not the greatest movie, but I do like it He's a lot. Just now realizing that I really that. enjoy it. No, no. If it, well, especially watching it with you, and I'm like taking notes. I'm like, hey, that doesn't make any sense. That happened a lot last night. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. It was still fun, and I'm glad we watched it. And are you? Are you really? Yeah. I don't think you are. No, I, it was. You want to watch it again? No, I don't. But it was fun because you know there's some funny lines, and you know it is fun when it doesn't make sense. So, it's all right. Well, you know, speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, our anniversary is coming up. Yeah. And, you know, like, they've got these projection booths in theaters. <laughs> and when there's no one around. Oh, my gosh. I have a friend who works in a movie theater. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't think you have any friends that work in the movie theater anymore. I don't, actually. You're right. I know. Oh, so, you're right. Sorry. I have to make some friends. I have a year. You I have, have a year. Yes, uh, you have one year to figure this out, and we'll report back. No, I suspect that even if it was like, Jules, I made it happen. We got sleeping bags. We got a projection booth. Like, um, no. So, yeah, this is, this is you know, I'm just going to live vicariously through this movie. That's just, that's all there is to it. All right. How many stars? Oh, it's embarrassing. But three. I'm giving it three. It doesn't deserve three, but I'm giving it three. All right, I give it two and a half. Okay, it's probably close. Two to and what a half it for the fun factor and yes. the, and the badass girls and you know, it's funny and it, it was a you know it's it's a good time. If you it haven't has a seen sense it, of you should it see does. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig this movie. No, I really yeah. do. I mean, I don't know how influential this movie is. I feel like the cult following for this movie is very very small, but. Yeah, no, I, I've, we're gonna I've have always three listeners on this podcast. Yeah, and I'm sure they're all people who are who are in the movie. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. Well, that concludes our discussion of Night of the Comet. All right, good night, all you teenage comet zombies. Mm-hmm.